0: All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puree Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the the vanilla as my favorite. So It's smooth, it's delicious, and you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real, natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puri Whey Protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puri's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to Puri.com slash That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash And then make sure you use promo code Biohacker Babes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body, I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy, I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining
1: forces to empower you
0: to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities, strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 40 of the Biohacker Babes. We are still stuck at home, hanging out. I am in Maryland, Renee is in Vegas. This feels normal though. We're still behind our computers chatting do our normal podcasting. Um, and we're excited about today's topic because we've been working on it for quite a while. It's like been in the works, but we keep putting it on the back burner because, you know, the sky started falling and we had to push through our other like immune boosting episodes so we've had this one in the works we're really excited to talk about it um interestingly enough during that time some other biohackers in the space came out with episodes about the same thing so i'm sure you saw the title we are talking about fad diets today i don't know if it's just like in the air right now because we're all sitting at home thinking about food more I certainly am thinking a lot about food. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to go through the crazy fad diets that have come up over the years. And we, interestingly enough, I already said that, uh, funny enough, we found a very wide-reaching history of the fad diets from over time. We should actually send out that, that timeline because it's really interesting to look at. Uh, oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: I think I, it was actually kind of funny to see how long yes, it's been around. So-
1: crazy shit on there some crazy minds came up with some crazy things but (laughs) and then there's some crazy things that are happening right now so we just want to break these down tell you what they all have in common what works what doesn't work what you need to look for how you can sort of like sort through these fad diets and make them work for you or just like run for the hills and try something else so why are fad diets popular so generally, fad diets are eating a way that is different than you are used to. And it's generally temporary, right? I don't think many people go on a diet with the intention of eating that way for the long-term, right? It's temporary, it is a, a drastic change, and I think we're attracted to them because we haven't found what works. So we then like look to celebrities finding success in the new latest craze. There's all these articles touting their efficacy New products start popping up the grocery store that are labeled with these diets on them. It's like suddenly everything, all the marketing is in front of us. So we think that they are successful. We are, you know, convinced over time that they must be working because there's products everywhere and everyone is doing it. But that is not the truth. So we need to look a little bit deeper into that. I personally am really fascinated by this whole craze because the word diet really just like makes my mind go nuts. Like I used to hate, how do you feel about the word? Diet, Renee.
0: Yeah, I try not to use it.
1: Yeah, I used to hate it so much because I hear diet and I I hear die inside of it.
0: (gasps) Oh yeah, I never really thought of it that way.
1: But though it's the word die is inside because I think it has a negative connotation. Like people are sort of like torturing themselves. Like a a piece of you is dying when you're like giving up those chocolate brownies or like stop eating your comfort foods. Yeah, it's generally really restrictive and people are unhappy, and so they don't last for a long term um so i just got curious like sometimes when my mind gets crazy like that i'm like okay i just need to go back to the dictionary like what is the real intention behind this word because maybe we're just destroying it maybe i'm destroying it so what i found in the dictionary is that the word diet actually means or this is what the dictionary says it's a particular selection of food especially as designed or prescribed to improve a person's physical condition or to prevent or treat a disease How wonderful! And nothing in there says that it's temporary, right? Or that you have to be miserable. So somewhere over time, we like skewed this word. So maybe we can start using it again, but I think we just need to reframe our idea of it and really like weed out the bad diets So I don't know.
0: (laughs) Thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I always tell people I still use the word diet with my clients, you know, but I really try and re, like re-educate them that it is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle diet. Is that a thing? Can I make that up?
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the question. If you're going on a diet, are you doing it because you want to be miserable and do something short-term or is yeah, are you choosing the lifestyle? I think that's the commonality yeah. with all these crazy fad diets is they're not typically designed to be a lifestyle. Some of them are, right? right? And we'll get into yeah. those later, like the ones that are really founded in science. I do think there's an element of these that are founded in science, but let's run through like this insane list and then we'll go more into the commonalities.
0: Yeah. So as we were looking at these crazy fad diets last night, um, a couple that were really funny that stood out to me, I think the tapeworm diet. No. <laughs> oh my, I mean, I can kind of understand it. So basically you're swallowing a tapeworm and then that tapeworm is in your digestive system eating up all your food so i guess you can still enjoy the food but then there's someone else eating it for you so you're not getting fat (laughs) that is just so bizarre this little creature inside of your body
1: just doing all of the eating for you yeah
0: but it's also eating all your (laughs) nutrients as well so you may lose weight but you'll be extremely nutrient depleted by the end Um, right which not to jump
1: ahead but that is a commonality
0: with a lot of these diets right
1: nutrient depletion because we're cutting out major food groups, cutting out major important foods that we need for vitality.
0: Yeah. So I thought that one was funny. Um, The sleeping beauty diet, which actually when I first heard this, I was like, Ooh, I like this because I love to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep sleeping, never have to eat. Yeah. But no alarm. What are they actually using to, they're like slightly sedating you for a day during this diet, right?
1: Yeah. I'm not sure what the drug is. I know Ben Greenfield talked about this and yeah, uh, I don't know if they were specific about it, but he mentioned ketamine because a lot of like, right. well, we've talked about psychedelics, but a lot of these drugs that are in that realm really suppress your appetite. So I think that's the idea is that your appetite is suppressed yeah. and, or you're just so
0: sleepy that you don't eat for days. But what happens when you wake up? Right. You go back to your normal routine. I mean, hey, if you're using something like ketamine or psychedelics to get through a day of fasting, because you're trying to get the benefits of fasting, like, sure, why not? But I wouldn't do it as like a weight loss program.
1: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. I guess if you really want to get that autophagy, but you know, we're not creating positive eating habits by doing that. No,
0: absolutely not.
1: Oh gosh. I'm just imagining the Disney character, Sleeping Beauty, she goes to sleep and wakes up all skinny and gorgeous. (laughs) It's kind of messed up. I was asking mom about this last night, about what diet she remembers from being a teenager and like a young adult. She brought up one I hadn't heard of, the hot dog diet.
0: Oh no. What is that?
1: Well, I don't know because I Googled it and I couldn't find anything that officially called itself the hot dog diet, but there's something uh, that was called a military diet. That was like the closest thing I could find to this. So basically you eat, there's three foods that you separate. So on day one, you're eating bananas all day long on day two, you're eating eggs all day long. Day three, you're eating hot dogs all day long, kill yourself. And on the fourth day, I guess you combine them all together. (laughs) This sounds like such a joke, but mom remembers going to the grocery store and buying these food items.
0: Oh, that's hilarious. She did it. And I was like, so did it
1: work? Like she didn't even give me a chance or she didn't even give a chance for a response. She immediately
0: just like rolled her eyes. She was like, of course not. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but or someone that. that created that probably made some money off of it. So I guess, yeah. I mean, that's
1: <laughs> how you make money, right? Like you come up with this crazy diet, you write a book and tell everyone that it's the best thing ever. And okay. yeah.
0: And then buy stock in bananas, eggs and hot dogs first.
1: Yeah. Gross. Oh, that's a
0: good one. Some other funny ones,
1: the cabbage soup diet for one week, I guess you're supposed to lose like 10 pounds in one week. You eat almost nothing but cabbage soup, which I'm like coming to like cabbage soup, but for an entire week, only that.
0: No. And then like you go back to your normal ways. The cabbage soup diet, I still have clients that tell me they have done it or they're thinking about doing it. I don't know if there's like a resurgence.
1: Floating around. Yeah.
0: I'm curious how long it's been around, but- Anyways, I don't know, but in
1: one week to lose 10 pounds, it's probably water weight. So I'm not really sure what the benefit is there. Uh, The grapefruit diet, this one is really funny to me because it's a 12 day plan for quick weight loss. Because they found this magical fat burning ingredient in grapefruit, then what, then, sorry, that when eaten with protein triggers intense fat burning. But the diet is actually touted as a high protein diet which is interesting because the only guideline is to just like eat
0: as much grapefruit as you can.
1: And again, oh. like I think it's like a high water content. So we're just losing water weight and then what are you and eating also-
0: grapefruit on top of your regular diet or your own yeah. grapefruit? Oh,
1: unless I'm misinformed what I could find is that you're just supposed to like add grapefruit, like the fruit or juice to every meal.
0: Oh, well definitely not the juice. Why would you do that?
1: Yeah. So I'm thinking of, about like poor food combining. One, because fruit digests so much more quickly than everything else. So if you're eating it with protein, you're probably getting some like putrefied foods in your gut.
0: Oof, and two, yeah. if
1: you're not cutting anything else out, don't you just have increased calories and more sugar?
0: Yeah. Which quick side note, do, please do not eat fruit with your protein rich meals, like Lauren said. If you mm. want to eat fruit, well, so there's kind of two tricks, right? You can eat fruit and then wait, you know, twenty minutes before you eat a meal, because if you think about how quickly fruit is digested, if you were to eat the protein first, the I like I can picture this, right? You like eat the protein, the fruit like sits on top, and it just sits and ferments. Yeah. And then people are like, I don't know why I have gas and bloating all the time, and it's yeah, like, that's exactly. such a simple fix. So just eat your fruit either separate from your protein or eat it like twenty minutes before. Anyway, yeah.
1: I'm not a huge follower of like the food combining
0: movement, but I do like that rule. That one really makes oh, sense. Oh yeah, that's like the one that I I do agree with. The rest, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Anyways, well that's a good one. The grapefruit diet. What's yeah, another diet. The vinegar diet. Okay, this is funny.
1: There's a guy. Let me see if I can find the date. So on this history, this timeline, it says early 1800s. It's Lord Byron created the vinegar yes. diet. <laughs> And so, I guess he was like the first celebrity diet icon he ha- i don't know how he influenced celebrities, but they all jumped on this and it's interesting because he was using apple cider vinegar, which is amazing for digestion, right and it it has like some appetite suppression suppressing effects. but he was bulimic and anorexic
0: hmm good, okay,
1: which I think is interesting to note like the Person that created the diet, like what was going on with them? Like, what, what was their like psycho-emotional state? Because I think that kind of informs the choices that they make, right? Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't trust someone wouldn't. that had an eating disorder because that's not, again, not creating positive eating habits, and is cutting out major, major, major food groups. I'm not sure of the rules on that one, but that's sort of hmm. the basic thing. Apple cider vinegar. Uh, things I remember. When I was in college, like the macrobiotic diet, do you remember that one?
0: Oh, yeah, that's still kind of floating around.
1: It's still floating around because it's really based yeah. in spirituality and it's uh, Buddhist at nature. Oh, okay. you're just eating like whole foods from nature, but it's no animal products, whole grains, mm-hmm. vegetables. So, kind I of like carb heavy. It, yeah, it's carb heavy. It puts a lot of focus on just real foods. But again, I think you're missing some major food groups and especially animal products, which we know are really useful. Do you remember that
0: book, Skinny Bitch? Yes. I think you bought that for me in college and I read it in like a day. I was actually really drawn to it, but I can't even remember what her philosophy was. Vegan diet. Oh, is was 100% vegan? I think so. Oh. Well, I wanted to be a skinny bitch, so- I do remember reading that, but I didn't go vegan after. Oh,
1: I wonder if you adopted any huh. of the principles. Anyways, that was like my journey in college. I like went vegetarian, red skinny bitch, did the macrobiotic diet because I was trying to be spiritual and, you know, I got really sick and had no energy for years. So that worked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Biohack fail, but you tried it. Yeah. Yeah. Any other ones you came across? Uh, I think we heard about this one from a couple places. The lucky, what is that? Lucky strike? Oh, the cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're hungry, just reach for a cigarette. Hmm. Good habit for sure. forming right there. I guess
1: it was just funded by the tobacco industry to make money, right? I'm sure. like they were working out for anyone's health. Yeah. Or waistlines. Just yeah. reach for a cigarette.
0: Just keep awesome. smoking and you'll suppress your appetite. You might yeah. die, but you'll be skinny. Well, no, that was really popular back then,
1: especially in the 50s. Women were smoking and- yeah trying to say skinny and using their little
0: the vibration belts you're just stand oh there yeah yeah oh yeah we watched the movie blast from the past the other night because i know you just watched it too and she was using that little machine and ryan was like what the heck is that i'm like you've never, you've never seen that, that? No. <laughs> yeah that's the image that i always think of it's like sissy spacek drinking a dirty martini <laughs> with the belt vibrating <laughs> i don't know how she doesn't spill the martini but hey
1: <laughs> Excellent balance and purple that's reception.
0: Great, yeah, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. Okay. So just anyway.
1: to sum up what all of these have in common. Oh, and I just miss like some more recent ones, like Weight Watchers, any of those like points-based systems where you're really restricting and, and counting calories, which I think there is some value to that, but again, doesn't teach positive eating habits. So what they all have in common, one is that they worked for the one person that created them, right? But unless your genetic material is identical to that, and that's like in the best case scenario, like if there is some, some real value to it and if it's founded in, in science, unless your DNA is the same, I don't know, good luck. Like what are the chances that it's gonna work just as well for you? Right. Two, they're really restrictive and cut out major food groups so we are finding nutrient depletion, like Renee said, or just missing major vitamins, minerals, nutrients that we get from having a wide spectrum of foods. Uh, yeah, just say again, like they don't acknowledge positive eating habits or quality of food.
0: Yeah. And I think something else they pretty much every diet or program has in common is most of the time they are promoting that you eat whole foods and you cut out junk food, right? Which of course, everyone's going to feel better, which is something that really <laughs> bothers me is like, someone's like, oh, I went vegan and now I'm like so healthy and everything's amazing. I'm like, well, what were you eating before? And they're like, oh, you know, I was eating McDonald's and Chick-fil-A and Wendy's or whatever. Like, well, of uh, course, yeah. yeah, of course you I feel better. That. And like all those vegan documentaries, right? They're like comparing fast food, you know, horrible, toxic meat, non-organic food to this like organic vegan diet. Well, yes, of course you're going to see a benefit, which I think is where a lot of that misconception around diets happens. It's like, well, what were you eating before? It's That's probably a really better. Great point.
1: Yeah. So do you think that's why they only work temporarily? Like you're obviously making a big change because you're all of a sudden adhering to certain guidelines. Well, and you probably weren't before, you have a greater awareness, which is naturally going to create change. And so how long does that last?
0: Yeah, I guess it's different for everyone. It depends how close that diet is to what you need, you know, based on your genetics, your gut microbiome, your age, your gender, your physical activity, right? All those markers. So I think it's like the first half is almost just becoming more aware, eating more whole foods, eating less junk food. But then the second half is like that biohacking component where you're really looking at the bio individuality of what you need. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I'm kind of picturing your body being like, oh, thank you. You're finally paying attention to me. You're like paying attention (laughs) to what you're putting in your mouth and what's being fed. But then like a few weeks in, your body goes, wait, But this isn't specific to me. Wait, this is not what I really want. You know, like it seemed all positive, hunky-dory, but like in reality, this isn't genetically working for me. So how do we find that biochemical individuality? Because, right, we are all biochemically individual. We're all different. I mean, different food allergies, sensitivities. We methylate differently. Some of us can absorb nutrients more easily. Some of us can metabolize fats. There's so many factors.
0: Yeah, well, that's where the biohacking component comes in. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about like the pros and cons of certain diets and like when that would be appropriate for you or not appropriate.
1: Yeah, uh, just one other thought on like why they work temporarily and not long term. Obviously, like cutting calories. I hope most of our audience knows it's not just about calories; it's about quality. But obviously, if you're going to reduce calories, right, like short term. Reducing calories in versus calories out is going to produce a change. But over time, if you make a very drastic cut, you can actually do like irreversible damage to your metabolic rate, right?
0: Yeah. There's a lot of yeah. studies
1: about this. And it's like the further you go with that, the more you restrict those calories, the more you damage your metabolism long term.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think there's like a
1: mid range where if you like just slightly cut back, like you can regain that health of your metabolic system.
0: Yeah. And I have to say, I definitely see this with clients. The ones that are hardest to support through weight loss are the ones that have dieted their whole life on and off. I swear, those are like, it's like that roller coaster of dieting, right? The restriction and then the binging. Those people, like their metabolic dysfunction is just off the charts versus someone that comes to me and, like, hey, I've never really paid attention to my diet. I've always had a really good weight, but. You know now i'm I've entered menopause and I've gained ten pounds. You know, like that's almost the easier person.
1: Well, that's also a sign of metabolic flexibility generally, right? If like their underlying yeah. factors are in place and healthy,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: yeah. there's a lot of mechanisms you can screw up. So yeah, that's interesting. more of a clean slate with someone that hasn't really paid attention, yeah,
0: yeah. And then, I mean, if you look at the biochemical side of that, right, we know that it, does suppress thyroid function, which is really important for metabolism. It definitely affects your autonomic nervous system Mm -hmm. when you're doing that restriction, putting your body into fight or flight too often. So definitely some biochemical stuff there.
1: Well, especially the fight or flight because you're working so hard, right? You're like, oh, on this diet, like I need change. And you're fighting your system and then your system goes into stress mode. It's not a way. It's not a way of living. No. So we're going to get into some of the... Diets. I just feel weird saying that word. No, but it's a diet. It's a diet, right? It's like it's a particular way of eating that has the intention of improving your health. (laughs) Yes, it's a way of eating. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to go into some of the ones that are really founded in science and can have some amazing benefits, like if they are right for you. And that's the key here, finding out if they're right for you. And we're living in an amazing time where we have so many DNA tests. There's uh, lab testing you can do at home at your own convenience. Uh, to find out these genetic markers that predispose you to one diet or the other, finding out food allergies, and that's with a test or without just something simple as an elimination diet, food journaling, like there's so many ways to gather this information to find out what works for you. Instead of, I don't know, I didn't go through the worst journey, but going through college, like uh, being afraid of killing animals, like going through the whole vegan vegetarian diet and uh, crash course, trying all these things that made me feel like shit. So Hopefully if you haven't already done that, you can start clean with all these tests and and do the biohacker way.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I feel like we should start with the ketogenic diet just because that's like the latest in popular diets. Very popular. Everyone's like keto this, keto that. I think we're actually like seeing the end of that. I'm seeing like a lot of people were like, oh, I did keto. It didn't work. Oh, I already tried keto. Or I did it and it worked, I'm done. You know? So I think yeah, we're seeing the funny. end of that. But people get really mad when a diet doesn't work for them and it worked for their friend. So I'm hoping that this will give you a little bit more perspective on why that is. Yeah. So ketogenic diet, I want to start with the pros. I think it can be an amazing diet. It's high fat, low carb- We know it helps with a lot of neurological conditions, so things like epilepsy, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, also metabolic dysfunction, type 2 diabetes, obesity. So there's some really good clinical evidence that this can be good in those cases. (laughs) So the cons, I would say, well, number one, I think just everyone was jumping on board whether they needed a therapeutic version of that or not, but genetically a lot of us cannot do keto and that's where the genetic testing comes in like Lauren said but there are some things you know where your cholesterol would go up you would actually gain weight you would have an increase in inflammation so a lot of markers you can see on lab tests where keto would make you worse off Mm -hmm. so genetically you definitely want to be careful with that and then something called dirty keto and I think you could probably call every diet like with a dirty version. You know I've seen like vegan- Atkins' diet, which was also like high protein high
1: uh, sorry high protein high fat, but didn't talk about quality at all and people were like eating meat from McDonald's, but cutting out the carbs
0: right right i and I don't think that was Dr. Atkins' original plan. I think Probably it kind not. of got bastardized, and now there's Atkins sure. protein bars and protein smoothies like so people like jump on this diet bandwagon and create all create all these products right and now vegans can have vegan ice cream and vegan cookies. Okay. It's still sugar, right? So anyway, so dirty keto, right? People started making all these keto products. And I think people started eating those And one, if they were toxic oils, they were actually increasing inflammation in the body. And two, they were making these little treats so yummy and delicious that people were eating way too many calories.
1: And just popping them because it's keto or it says keto and like, I yeah. can have that. Yeah. Way too many yeah. calories. And just like flooding your system with fats like all too quickly.
0: Right. I think any diet, you can always overdo like the negative side of it like that. Uh, What else? Keto flu, that's a huge turnoff for a lot of people. They don't want to get through that. But there are hacks to get through that if you do decide to do ketogenic. So, you know, adding more MCT oil, which is a really quick source of energy for the body. Also adding electrolytes because typically the keto flu actually comes from an electrolyte imbalance. So adding in electrolytes is a good hack. Um, but also just know it takes time to be, to become fat adapted, right. Which is part of the keto flu thing, which I find Um, most people don't even understand what that is. is. They're Like, what do you mean fat adapted? I've
1: talked to so many friends about this that tried keto. They just went zero to a hundred and didn't understand the mechanism behind it. Like you're switching your energy source. Like your body generally wants to run off of carbs and glucose and you're shifting that to be able to run off of fat. They don't understand that. They just like, one day are eating this way next day the other, and it's they're mm. like coming up against a wall.
0: Yeah. That doesn't happen overnight. I mean, most of us grew up running on carbs and sugar, right? All our fruit by the foots and whatever else crap we we're mm. eating. Those were good. <laughs> but yeah, your body isn't going to just switch to burning fat overnight. I think a lot of people say about four weeks of, on average is what mm. it takes to really switch over. But once you switch over into that, you should be able to have that metabolic flexibility where you can burn carbs or fat for fuel.
1: That's where like the carb cycling or cyclical keto is useful, right? Right, right. Cycling through that, So you can still get the benefits.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of everyone trying that. Just teaching your body how to burn fat is a great thing for everyone to do because if you think about it, carbs are such a short-term source of energy, right? So you're always needing to resupply the body with that. And if there is always a supply of that, why would your body ever go to your fat storage to burn that fat for fuel? It doesn't need to. So if you can restrict the carbs for a little bit, teach your body how to tap into that fat for fuel, then go back into that cyclical keto, you should be able to tolerate carbs a lot better. So what would you say is the best way to test
1: your own body to see if this is a useful diet for you and if you should even entertain the idea?
0: I would say number one to do the genetic testing. I wish I had done that before I tried keto. I didn't I, I kind of fell into that trap. I didn't know why keto wasn't working for me. I have like two out of or no, three out of four of the genes that would not be good for keto. <laughs> can you just
1: like run through those really quick so we know what to look for?
0: Yeah. Um well one FTO, which we all think of like the fat gene. So that's where you would actually gain weight from eating saturated fat. So here I was like loading up on coconut oil and butter and bacon, not realizing I was doing more harm. PPAR is another gene also associated with increase in weight gain from saturated fat. I mean, you technically could do keto with more like monounsaturated, right? Where you're incorporating more olives and olive oil and avocado, things like that, less saturated fat, but you have to be really careful with that. Also, so FADS, the FADS gene, that's where high fat can actually increase inflammation in the body. And that's even with the good fats, we could see an increase in inflammation, which obviously we don't want to happen. Right. And some people are just susceptible to that. Yeah. And then the other thing is the familial hypercholesterolemia. Say that 10 times fast. one. Good job. (laughs) So that basically just means you're going to be more sensitive to high cholesterol levels when you do keto. It's interesting because keto, we, we really see both sides. We see people where their cholesterol spikes and then other people where their cholesterol drops and becomes more balanced. So I think that's really that genetic factor. So that's good to know too.
1: So personal. So, just easy tests you can do to find this out DNA fit 23 me, and then to go a little further, like plugging into Found My Fitness, you can find this out. Like, Renee and I both found, like, she found out that she doesn't do as well with saturated fat. I actually am pretty good with saturated fat, and they make like they give you this really clear diagram that just shows you like what the balance uh, should be for
0: you. Yeah, such a great test for everyone to do. And then, even if you are going to do keto, please test your ketones. Right, Lauren? We see that a lot. People are like, oh, I'm just eating high fat. But like, are you actually in ketosis? Because if you're not, that's when you're going to see a lot of issues in the body. Yeah. You have to quantify this stuff. There's no way
1: that you can know what your ketone status is. And there's a lot of different ways to do that, right? The urine strips which I think are probably not as useful because that's just like the leftover ketones. Yeah.
0: Which I mean tests. I think urine urine can be good for the first four weeks, right? Because it's just it, it is. It's the ketones you're spilling over into your urine. But after about four weeks, your body adapts to that. It's not gonna continue with that. So after yeah. four weeks, you got to cut that off. Yeah. And that you sorry
1: you were saying breath test. You do a breath test, but I think the easiest way is just to do the blood test, the the finger prick at home, which I know some people still aren't into, but I find that <laughs> I have found that that's really accurate
0: and easy to do once you get the hang of it. Yeah, the keto mojo is awesome. Um, yeah, the breath test, I think, is still debatable. Blood, Blood's the way to go. Cool. So that's keto. I don't know. Anything else, Lar? Uh,
1: no, that's really helpful. I mean,
0: I've never fully
1: jumped on the keto bandwagon, but I really like aspects of it. I like trying to achieve that metabolic flexibility and being fat adapted, but I really fall into more of like the cyclical keto Group that really works for me. Yeah, again, this is just finding out what works for you. So there are aspects of it that are really helpful for sure.
0: What is next on our list? The paleo diet. Paleo diet, which I still love. It has. I its love place. the paleo diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think again, paleo focuses on whole foods, which is great. But so for anyone that's not familiar with paleo, let's take a step back. So you're basically eating animal protein, some fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, healthy oils pretty basic. You're cutting out all the grains, um, the dairy. But again, you're getting back to eating whole foods. So most people do see a benefit from this. And I see, especially for people that are dealing with inflammation, especially skin issues, di- di- digestive issues, uh, some metabolic dysfunction, right? Because we're cutting out a, a good amount of carbs. So I do see some benefits there. though. I think
1: there are some people that experience that start to experience digestive issues on this, especially if they went from the opposite extreme, like if they weren't eating any animal proteins and then suddenly started eating a lot of animal proteins, mm. that could create I mean if you're you have like a reduction in uh, stomach acid and you don't have it and then you start eating all this protein and then you will develop you know those imbalances, and that creates a lot of digestive upset. So kind of again, right. it depends on what you were doing before.
0: Right, yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's a really good point. In in a hack for that for someone that is dealing with that cuz it, it's so sad when you see someone that's like, "Oh, I'm trying to eat meat again, but I just get like a rock solid like feeling in my stomach. I feel awful." So, your body's really smart. It's going to adjust the acidity in your stomach to what you're eating. Obviously, animal protein being the hardest to digest. If you're not eating that, your body's going to lower its stomach acid cuz if it didn't, you would end up with a stomach ulcer. That's not good. So years of that, right? Your stomach acid drops. But then, if you want to add animal protein, in, I say start with like two to three ounces of animal protein, very small amount, and supplement with something like you know apple cider vinegar or HCL, you know betaine HCL capsules, something like that, just to help boost that stomach acid temporarily. And you can overcome. I knew that. You were gonna get the ACV in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually created the apple cider vinegar diet. It was me. <laughs> Lord Byron Renee. <laughs> oh,
1: but yeah, just, I, I mean, more motivation to just ease into things and really understand the mechanism behind this.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, right, Cons of the paleo. Yeah. And I think, Lauren, you mentioned this before. I think it's a con to a lot of these diets when you start cutting out major food groups. So paleo, you're cutting out all the grains, which I mean, yes. There's an argument there because of the gluten, the glyphosate, which is the pesticide sprayed on all these grains. Some benefit there, but when you start cutting these groups out, you start to kill off the bacteria in your gut that digest those foods. So, right, we have specific probiotics that digest the gluten and the wheat and the dairy, whatever. If you stop feeding the bugs those foods, they're going to die off. So, and
1: it's really hard to go back to that. Yeah. You screw yourself.
0: Yeah. That's so, like if
1: you go completely gluten-free, I mean, which some people really seriously medically need to do. But if you're just cutting out gluten, if you don't have high sensitivity to it, you're just cutting it out because you want to be cleaner. You kind of can't ever go back to gluten because you're going to have this flare up, right? Like it's going to be really inflammatory and stressful. Your gut right. really likes variety.
0: Right. Variety is key. And you know, I, I feel like some people judge me when I say I'm, I'm not gluten-free. I don't know. I'm like 99%, but I know that's not technically gluten-free when I'm home. When I'm home, I don't eat gluten, but if I go out to a restaurant and there's like this amazing burger with a bun, like I'm going to eat it. I'm going to feed those bacteria in my gut to say, please stay around (laughs) because I want to enjoy this every once in a while.
1: Yeah. I don't want it to be a traumatic event in the case that I eat something by accident or do want to indulge in something that has some gluten. Right.
0: Yeah. Good luck with a, you know, a long life of never eating gluten again. Oof. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, again, we're very grateful that we don't have celiac or we don't have a high sensitivity to gluten because if you do, you have to stay off of it. But if right. you are um, in our camp in that in that sense, I think it does. Yeah, I'm 99% too. I like I like hanging in there.
0: But yeah, good point. Yeah, if you're celiac and sensitive, don't mess with it.
1: I would say some other cons with paleo. Well, I mean, you said removing certain food groups, but like if you don't have a sensitivity to dairy, like you could be missing out on some really potent nutrients from dairy products, especially like from grass-fed animals that are fermented. Like I do pretty well with dairy and I would miss that food group if I was strict paleo. I like more like the paleo template. That's what Chris Kresser talks about, the paleo template, like following these guidelines but then personalizing it for you. Mm. Because the emphasis is on eating whole foods and getting back to our roots and nature. You have to make those slight adjustments that work for you so you're getting the right nutrients depending on your food allergies or lack of food allergies.
0: Yeah, good point. And that's also something you can see on DNA Fit really easily, how you tolerate dairy. Cool. And then to branch off of paleo really quick, so there is the autoimmune protocol or autoimmune paleo, which is just paleo even stricter. So you're cutting out like nuts and seeds. That is definitely a therapeutic diet for short term, but it can be helpful for people dealing with autoimmune conditions.
1: Next up, the carnivore diet.
0: Probably
1: have been hearing more and more about this. This is like the anti-vegan diet camp right now. There's like two types of people in the world right now that are like beating heads, the carnivore people and the vegan people. It's quite a fight.
0: Yeah, it's the the 2020 fight. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, some of the pros of the carnivore diet. So, well, carnivore diet really um sort of encourages people to eat like nose to tail. You're eating all animal products because they believe that you can get all of the nutrients that are necessary from eating every bit of the animal. So the organ meats, that's sort of like the big change that people aren't used to eating the organ meats in addition to the meats. So the pros for this are people are getting a lot of relief from stubborn digestive issues like IBS and IBD. Because when you eat carbs, there's a lot of fermentable carbohydrates and starches in there that if you have a sensitivity to, or you have some underlying bacterial, fungal, parasitic yeast thing happening, you're gonna react to those carbs. And then you get things like IBS IBD like crazy gut problems. So people are seeing a lot of benefit by just completely cutting out those starches and vegetables. So it's the similar benefits to people uh, to following like a low carb diet.
0: Yeah. And I would add if you're going for the digestive aspect, like maybe try a low FODMAP diet first, which is yeah, where you are cutting out all those, like you said, all those fibers that tend to cause gut issues. It's a little less strict than carnivore. Yeah.
1: Cons, I would say we don't know the research on the long-term results. I, I'm really hesitant to try this or really get into that because I it just feels so new to me. And also, I just love salad way too much. So yeah,
0: I love again, my I'm
1: grateful that I don't have those gut issues. If I did, I would definitely try it, look into it. I think there is some benefit. I personally know a lot of people that actually have done it and are seeing amazing results. Is it long-term? I am not sure. I think the goal would always be to get back to a a wide variety of foods. We're not restricting food groups. Also, um, it lacks a lot of fiber because you're cutting out all the vegetables and we know that fiber is really, really useful for a lot of things that are health related. So uh, I don't know. What are people on the carnivore diet doing to supplement
0: fiber? Do you know, Renee? I haven't heard of them supplementing with anything, but that would be a good question. And if you Like, could you add a resistant starch powder, fiber powder to offset that? Maybe. But I think there's just too much research showing the benefits of eating vegetables. I just can't comprehend like how that's okay to do long-term.
1: Yeah. I would put carnivore diet more in the camp of like the AIP or a specific therapeutic medical approach to heal a certain aspect of your health short-term.
0: Yeah. And I think we're going to- Right. I think hopefully soon we'll start to see maybe the genetic tests that would determine if this would be helpful too. Yeah. Because again if you look at the ancestral piece of it, you know, there are there were cultures where they couldn't grow vegetables or fruit, right? It was too cold and they they did get all their nutrients from the animals, really the nose to tail, right? They're eating not just the muscle and the meat but the the organs where you're getting your fat soluble vitamins, the blubber and everything that's included, right? The blubber. The blubber versus you look at maybe like a tropical area where they were probably eating a lot of fruit and fresh produce. So I think genetically we're going to see that there's something going on there. Yeah. Right. Depending on where your family's from.
1: So the nutritional piece of the organ meats is really important, especially if you're on a vegan or vegetarian diet, Uh, I don't know. You're probably against eating anything from animal meats, but that's a great way to supplement the nutrients that you're missing from not eating, like directly eating animal meats because you can get it in supplement form. It's a great source of B12, copper, vitamin A is a big one. What else is in there? Carnitine. Folic acid, iron. Iron. Oh
0: yeah. Iron's a big one.
1: So those are all the big ones that you miss out if you're- eating a non-animal
0: protein diet.
1: So some benefits there, but again, like just stay aware. And I think this is probably not long-term, but useful in some cases.
0: Okay. My diet next, kind of, sort of. <laughs> Mediterranean. Is that your diet? So you on, <laughs> on a diet? I'm on a diet. No. <laughs> so a lot of my genetic markers point me to Mediterranean. Like it keeps coming back, which makes oh, yeah, sense. yeah, I remember that. I mean, San Patero, right? Italian, Mediterranean, that makes sense. So some pros of Mediterranean, again, it's focusing on whole foods. You're doing quality protein, lots of healthy fats, you know, the think olives, olive oils, avocado, a lot of those good monounsaturated fats. Um, you also do some grains. Even grains that have gluten are allowed on Mediterranean. But I think if you go back to like the original Mediterranean diet, they weren't dealing with the glyphosate issue. So I think that's why grains typically weren't an issue. And that's why also people can go to Italy now and eat grains and not have any issues where when they eat it in the US, they have digestive issues. Right. There's really good long-term research. Mediterranean diet, this has been around a really long time. And even if we look at Sardinia, Italy, where it's one of the blue zones, so a lot of the population lived to over 100, they're following the Mediterranean diet. So there's definitely some good long-term research there, which I really like. A lot of brain-boosting support, I think that is really from the healthy fats. We know that the avocado and the olives, olive oil, that's very good for the brain. Also tends to be a lot of seafood, so you're getting some DHA and EPA, so the good omega-3s from the fish. Any other pros of Mediterranean? I mean, I think, again, it
1: just really focuses on eating real foods. Which if you're not eating real foods and then you switch to eating real foods, that's going to produce a huge benefit.
0: Yeah. I would say the only con really to Mediterranean is if you can't tolerate grains right now, depending on like if you have a health issue. I don't know. That's really like my only con. And I mean, I guess if genetically it's not for you, but again, depending on where your family's from, something to think about.
1: Well, I don't know. I'm a Botero too, but my genetic tests do not point me in this direction. I must have more German, Irish, maybe more Irish. Cause I just picture myself mm. like in a field of really green grass with the cows. Like I could survive off of just like oh. grass, cows, dairy. Not
0: potatoes. <laughs> oh no. Potatoes? I wasn't
1: even picturing the potatoes. I'm just like no. picturing myself in a wide open field of sunshine, grass, and cows. I don't know. Yeah. She but cannot. I can tolerate more saturated fat. So That's interesting, though, because we're very related. We're sisters, but there's still some genetic variants there. Interesting. Uh, Last one. Let's try to blow through this because we are running out of time. Plant-based diet. So this is the opposite of the carnivore diet. And if you saw Game Changers, that documentary that came out last year that is um, enraging a lot of people. I am one included. Let's just get into the pros. I'll leave my comments for later. <laughs> so some research, research shows that it minimizes the health risks from eating meat, potentially cardiovascular disease, premature aging and cancer. I think this already speaks to like the quality of the food. They don't really go into this in that documentary, like quality is everything. And so if you're hearing about the health risks from eating meat, it's probably because the studies are all done on shitty meat. So pay attention. And too much meat. And too much meat. Yeah, absolutely. We don't need that much. Yeah. Another pro, most people don't eat enough vegetables. So sometimes just shifting your focus to a more plant-based diet forces people to incorporate more veggies and more plants into their diet. I love meat and I am a carnivore, but I would probably call myself plant-based because I love vegetables and I try to incorporate them into every meal.
0: I'm not
1: anti-carnivore. I'm so plant-based.
0: I kind of hate the, the term plant-based. Like, No one really knows what that means. To me, I think plant-based just means that more than 50% of your diet comes from plants. That's my definition. Yeah. So in that case, I am plant-based. But then the other yeah. percentage is coming from animals.
1: Right. I just think anything that's anti-anything, is going to harm you. <laughs> yeah. Run away from anything that is anti. You should never do this. Because one, figure it out for yourself even sisters can be genetically different and if you're cutting out a major food group you're probably missing out on some nutrients so it's great to shift your focus to plant-based but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be eating other things. so some cons we see on this diet nutrient deficiencies are very common like vitamin b12 dha carnitine coq10 creatine, vitamins A, D, and K. I'm like feeling weak just thinking about being uh, deficient in these things. You need those and you get them from meat. So here's another uh, reason why you could supplement with organ meat supplements if you don't eat meat, but hopefully you're eating some. Um, Another thing is it's very easy to do it wrong. There are many plant-based processed foods like pasta, ice cream, bread. I'm just thinking... I just flash back to like my college roommate that was vegetarian before I did, and she lived off of "You're Gonna Die." She lived off of ramen noodles and gummy bears.
0: Sounds like all the food groups.
1: Oh, <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of colors there in those gummy bears, but oh my gosh, um, eat the rainbow! Yeah, major nutrient deficiencies, and I'm not saying that our audience says that because that's. Uh, yeah, pretty stupid.
0: But <laughs> yeah, but still, there are like other plant-based processed foods that maybe look healthy, but then you turn it over and it has like corn, maybe cornstarch, canola oil, like a lot of inflammatory ingredients in what you would think is a healthy vegan food.
1: Yeah, so I think the guideline is just Be careful. If you're trying to stick to a particular diet meal plan, don't just run out there and like our. Marketing is so powerful right now and people are really trying to profit from this. So don't just turn to a box that has the label of your diet on it. If it's in a box, it's not real food.
0: Yeah. And I have to share this with everyone back to what you said about the fat soluble vitamins, how you don't get those in plant-based diets. So when I was working with dad, the original biohacker, biological dentist, I was helping a lot of his patients with nutrition And over and over again, the patients that were on a vegan or vegetarian diet, their teeth were rotting away. They're like falling out.
1: Oh, that's the Weston A. Price diet,
0: right? Well, I mean, that's where all the Weston Price research came from, right? Showing that... So for anyone that doesn't know Dr. Weston Price, he was a dentist that actually traveled the world. He looked at different cultures and looked at their dental health and what they were eating. And he found very clearly that the ones that were eating from their land full fat, animal protein, amazing smiles, like straight teeth, white teeth, clean, no cavities, no gum disease. Great jaw structure. Yeah. I mean, all 32 teeth fit perfectly because their jaws were just big and strong. Amazing. And then you go to the next town over where they had incorporated white sugar, white flour, um, all that kind of junk. Within one generation, tooth decay crooked teeth, gum disease, all that came in. So Weston Price, amazing stuff. You got to look into that. But I saw it firsthand. And even dad would say, you have to help this patient. I'm, I'm literally scooping out decay from their teeth. Ugh. Scooping. That's not good. And so- I tried to help people. Some people would jump on board to eating animal protein. Some people would supplement, but that's, if your teeth are rotting and you're getting a lot of cavities, you have to look at what's going on. There's some nutrient deficiency. And if your teeth yeah. are decaying, guess what your bones are probably doing? And the rest of your body. Yeah. We can't really see our bones unless you're doing you know, a DEXA scan every three months, but your yeah. teeth, you can see that every day. So it's a really good indicator of what's going on deeper within. Yeah. There's my rant.
1: (laughs) One more side rant: Uh, a lot of (laughs) friends that are jumping on this plant-based diet um, and that are now vegan, that are just like adding in. You mentioned this earlier. Like people are starting to eat like more cookies or muffins or whatever because they're like labeled vegan, right? Like I I can have that because it says vegan. So then you're adding in processed food, processed sugar, all the things that are anti what this diet was about, right? Eating more real foods. Right. So just be wary of, if, of that motivation to go out and buy something that has been marketed to you because someone else is profiting off of that and your body is not profiting.
0: Ooh, that's a good quote right there.
1: Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so just to wrap this up, like again, things to consider when going on a diet, which hopefully we have reframed the word diet. I'm, I'm maybe finally getting on board with the word diet. So we're all biochemically <laughs> individual here. We are all unique, and that considers genetics, age, gender, physical activity, gut microbiome, your own personal health goals, right? These are all going to inform what you should be putting in your mouth. And that is not going to be the same as your sister, your mom, your best friend, anyone else you come in contact with. Yeah, this is highly, highly individual. Number two, make sure you do your research and you understand the mechanism in action here. So just as an example, going back to like the keto stuff, make sure you understand what it means to be fat adapted, understand how you get to that place, understand how to test your ketones. That's really important. You can't just like Google this shit and then expect in a week that your body's going to be benefiting from all the, the purported benefits, right? And then last thing, and I think this is the most important thing. Ask yourself, is this a lifestyle for you or is this a crash short-term diet way of life. Is this short-term to like achieve something next week, right? The sleeping beauty diet. Are you trying to just like not eat for four days because you want to look good for a photo shoot, which, okay. If you do once or twice in your life, not going to kill you. But in general, we hope that this diet is going to be a lifestyle for you. Otherwise it's probably not going to work out.
0: Yeah. The lifestyle piece is so important just because it's going to be easier in the long term. If you can figure out what works for you long term, that is the key. Can't emphasize it's that. It's hard
1: enough. to think long term, though. This is I know. kind of completely really unrelated, but mom was having me listen to uh, Peter Atiyah's most recent podcast that we, he did with his daughter. He was like answering questions for like the kids that are trying to understand what's happening with the coronavirus. And he sort of likened it to like, Sometimes we make choices that are good for us in the long term. Like, yes, we want to eat the ice cream because it'll make us feel good now. So even though we maybe don't understand the mechanism behind like flattening the curve and how we can each do our part, but we see the long term goal of like having better health and affecting the planet and making it better for everyone. Right?
0: That's good. I need to listen to that one. Yeah, it's really awesome. His daughter is so cute. Oh. One more thing to add in. I think everyone should check this out. The Institute for the Psychology of Eating. Kind of goes on to what you said, like okay, the ice cream makes us feel good now, but not long term. So really looking at the mental, emotional, psychological piece of eating. His book is awesome. Have you read his book? No, I haven't. It it's super easy. You would read, I always recommend everyone reads one chapter every Sunday. It's like 10 I've chapters. Watch some YouTube videos. I do need to read it. Yeah. Cool. But if you want to do a diet, do the do his diet. Because like I said, you just read one chapter a week and it gives you something to focus on for that whole week. has nothing to do with the food you're putting in your mouth. It's everything else around it. I think it's so, so helpful for people. If you can get through that program, I think you'll you'll be much better off long-term. Awesome. So I was going to go into
1: our own personal diets, but I think we kind of already covered that. Also, I don't want to harp too much on what we're doing because we want you to go home and figure out what you are doing. So hopefully we covered that. Anything,
0: Renee? on that. Yeah, I think we covered all that and hopefully this was really educational for people and again, go be a biohacker. And if you need extra help, Lauren and I are here for you. We can dive a little bit deeper if you need.
1: Awesome. That is all we have for you. We hope that you are staying safe and healthy and making really awesome food choices while you're stuck at home. Um, Stay tuned. We will see you guys next week. See you next time love this episode of the biohacker babes podcast head over to apple podcast to subscribe rate and leave a review
0: we truly appreciate your support until then happy biohacking